I grew up in a household where both my mom and my dad had been divorced and remarried three to four times. And so I grew up thinking like, if I get married, I am not getting divorced. I always thought my parents should have gotten a divorce. And so I, I, which is so funny because I'm on the opposite extreme of Josh. Take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple, Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. Welcome back to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. Hi, I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean, and this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Be sure to check us out online on our Facebook page and Instagram at Couple Synergy or our website, couplesynergy.com. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couple Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experience helping thousands of couples transform their relationships for nearly 20 years. You know, every day we get to hear intimate details about a couple's celebrations, disappointments, and everyday challenges. We've often wished these stories were shared because we know we are more similar than different. So we've created not only an avenue we can hear about people's intimate lives, but an atmosphere where people come over to our home pub, pour a drink, and share their stories. People like today's guests, Heather and Josh, thank you so much for being on the podcast today, guys. Thanks for having us. And I should say Dr. Heather, correct? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Heather and I, we go way back. um, We did our internship together at the same site. In what, 2010? 2010, I believe. Yeah, that's a pretty long time. Mm Has it been that long? I think so. Yeah. So before we get into your story, guys, why don't you guys tell us a little bit about yourselves? What do you do for a living? And how long have you been together? Sure. um, Heather and I met in Chicago about... Uh, funny enough, about the same time y'all did your internship together, a little before that. Um, we've been together since then. We've moved around the country a little bit and we settled down here in Texas. Um, we, uh, the prim- Our primary um, day-to-day is uh, running uh, Heather's uh, psychology office and therapy office and you know doing doing all the things that come along with that. So I, um, well, I'm Heather Ingram, and I, um, I'm the CEO of In Mind Out Emotional Wellness Center. And like Josh was mentioning, we work together. Uh, built, we've worked together over the last few years uh, building the practice. So that's been kind of our um, additional child. And in addition to that. Uh, work child. We also have our own two children that keep us very busy and occupied. So balancing all of that is very fun and challenging and uh, rewarding. That's awesome. Can you guys tell a story about how you met? Yes, I can tell that one, Josh, if you want. I um it kind of started with a breakup for me. I uh, was, uh, I had a, my heart broken on my one year anniversary uh, uh, with someone I was dating before I met Josh. And 
in all of my tears, I told my closest friend, I said, you know, I, I don't want to worry about him. I think this was the, this was for the right reasons. And I want to focus on what's going to happen next. And so she said, well, I've got a good way to do that. I'm going to sign us up for all these groups this weekend. So you cannot think about anything other than moving on. And she signed me up for this meetup group where this young entrepreneur, Josh Ingram, had set up this uh, free beer and snacks. And he had me at that. Um, <laughs> And uh, we got to talk about his his new business idea. And so I went, I was in his group for that. And then afterwards, he said, Hey, do you guys want to go get some drinks after this? And we went to a bar next door after we we did this meetup group. And I was so offended that he didn't ask for my phone number throughout the course of that uh, bar experience that at the end, I just said, Hey, here's my phone number, you should call me. <laughs> I'm usually not that forward. But um, in this case, I, I thought we had such a great conversation. And I, I was kind of surprised that he didn't ask me. So later, I found out it was because he uh, got accepted to MIT and was planning on leaving uh, in a couple months. So what was what was going on for you, Josh? Is that is that why you were leaving? And yeah, it was. Uh, I was uh, working there in Chicago, and I'd made the decision to 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 go back to school for my uh, master's, and I was leaving in a couple months. And you know, we my business partner and I were going to work on this idea, and I was thinking about school and 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 starting this new company. And I was like, this is just a lot. And so like, you know, the thought of dating somebody wasn't really on my mind. And then, you know, she gave me her number and I was like, that just kind of clicked me back into, oh, I'm dating. Yeah, let's, uh, and then I gave her a call and we started, uh, started going out a few times. The next thing I knew I was canceling my, my <laughs> acceptance to MIT and, uh, stayed, uh, stayed in Chicago another year with Heather. Luckily, uh, um, they reaccepted me the next year and I, I went back the next year and, and Heather and I spent a year together and then a couple of years apart and then finally got married and, and moved in together in, in, uh, in Boston and, and then eventually got down here to Texas. What was it about the other person that you fell in love with? I, I, I'll go first, Josh. It's for me, it's, continually enjoying his company. I love spending time with Josh and I love our discussions. I, I never get bored of the time we share with each other. Uh, I, I really like Heather's level of um, compassion and empathy. When I met her, she's just very it's probably the therapist and her coming out, but just, she can listen. She's, she's, she's and not just listen, but she hears what you're saying. She's, she's really like paying attention. And, and when you meet somebody like what I feel like for the first time, you know, you're like, Oh man, I didn't know people could be like this. I didn't know somebody could actually like care about what you were saying and not just focus on what they're going to say next. And that was something that, um, 
I really liked about Heather. And then, you know, she's just a very intelligent person. And so being able to have those um, intelligent conversations with her um, and feel like, you know, she, she is involved in them and, and is a part of them really, really made me feel like I'd found somebody I could, I could, you know, share, share my time with. How soon after you met, did you know this was your person? So it was about, it probably took about nine months to a year before I was like, okay, um, this is going to be the rest of our life. Um, I had to start thinking about going back to MIT, I had to reapply. And once I got accepted, I was like, you know, something's going to happen here. I'm moving away. She's going to stay here. Long distance relationships don't work. And I have to decide whether, whether this is serious or not. And when I sat down and thought about it, I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to not be with Heather. So we got to find a way to stay together, even if we do this. That's, ah, this is really beautiful to hear, Tommy. Um, I I feel similar. I, I think about nine to 10 months in, we started both talking about the next stage of our lives and what we wanted for our futures. And they matched very well. And that was a, and pretty soon after you proposed and I, I couldn't imagine saying no, there was, I, I wanted things to continue. And I try to stay in the moment with things and not think too far ahead. And in that moment, and even today, I'm, I want it to continue. And I'm going to do what it takes to make that happen. Because, you know, there's, Marriage is not easy. They, everybody always says it. It's so true. And I think this experience has been very rewarding for me. And I'm, I'm excited to see what the future will bring with it. You guys got engaged nine to 10 months after you met. Was that before you left for MIT? Yeah. Yeah, it was a couple months before I left. So what was that like then, you know, being at MIT, doing this long distance thing, being engaged. It was, it was, it was fun. Um, Heather was in grad school. I was in grad school. So, you know, we both had a lot to do every day. And so we're just busy, busy. But every night we would, we would get on Zoom just like we are right now. And we'd pull up, uh, what, 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 ne- what did we, what, I don't remember. It was some video network, um, Netflix or something. And we would, you know, at the same time hit play on a show and sit there at our computers watching shows together. And then, you know, we'd be like, Oh, pause your show. I've got to, I've got to run to the restroom and then, okay, restart together. And we're like, Oh, I'm like a second ahead of you, but it's okay. And, you know, we're watching each other's expressions to, you know, it's a, Usually when you're watching a show, you're sitting next to somebody. But when you're watching a show with somebody on a computer, you see their facial expression as the show is playing. And so it was just really nice. And we we would, I mean, basically every night, either we would just sit and chat or watch a show or, or um, you know, do whatever we, you know, spend a couple of hours together on the show before we went to bed every night on the, on the Zoom. It's really interesting. I, just as an aside note, I just heard that Disney Plus is creating a sharing function so that you can watch programs with other people 
during the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's you guys not, were ahead of your time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we're from a generation. You had to make things work, right? We don't have it like these kids do today. So. The couple we interviewed yesterday had a long distance situation from two different countries. She was from Russia. He was from England. England, yeah. And and that was long, so long ago that they just wrote letters back and forth. There wasn't mm-hmm. internet yet. <laughs> so this is the, the newer way to have a long distance relationship. So let's hear the engagement story. Oh, that's a, that's a good story. Uh, do you um, want me to? Uh, I guess can, I'll turn it off and you, you can, can tell in. it. Because it, it kind of was, for me, it was, a surprise. Just a surprise, yeah. So uh, Heather and I have a couple of good friends that live in town, and and they've and they're dating, and they were dating for a very long time. And so we were out at dinner, um, as a, a, the four of us one night, and and Heather went to the restroom, and while she was in the restroom, I said, "Hey, look, I really want to have this idea for um, proposing to Heather, and uh, I'd like y'all to help." And they got very excited about it right away. And so basically what we did is uh, they, they uh, um, they pretended like they were getting engaged. And so um, I would leak information to Heather that Brian was looking for a ring or, you know, really it was me doing it. And then she would go to the ring store with her friend and they'd look at stuff and, and she'd take notes on what Heather liked, and then they would relay that information back to me. And then uh, we planned a big uh, thing down by the the Chicago River one night. And uh, Heather Heather was so excited; she was just glowing because her friends were about to get engaged, and uh, she couldn't even contain herself. Um, and so then we went for a walk a walk along the river, and uh, and you know. They were pretending like, you know, Brian was about to propose and then and then I was like, hey, turn around. And I was I was proposing to her. So she was really, I think, you know, not expecting. I don't think she I don't think she had a clue. It was coming until until the moment it happened. So and then our friend Brian is a photographer. So, you know, he was ready. He had the camera ready. We got lots of good pictures. And I think it was good. Wow, some cloak and dagger bait and switch stuff going on. That's great. <laughs> it was it was really neat because when my friend when Deanna told me she was her and Brian had decided they're gonna take the next step, it, it wasn't a surprise at all to me because they had been together for so long. I was just waiting for it to happen. And so I remember, you know, at the ring stores. Go, she said, try someone with me. I want this to be fun, you know. So, <laughs> so I was trying on these rings and she would be like, what do you think? What do you think? And I remember saying, this is your wedding. You know, it's not what I think. It's what, <laughs> she's like, I just want you to have fun too. And so sure enough, she was taking notes on everything I said. And that ring was one of the <laughs> ones I liked. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then they they actually got married about a year later too. So you know it came full circle, and it was it was kind of nice. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great story. So then you're in uh, MIT for how many years then? I was I, I was there for two years. So I was doing a master's program. We in total we lived there three years. And so the first year I lived there, it's I mean 
it's kind of funny. Um, it was kind of, you could make a sitcom out of it. Um, I, I was living in this house with uh, three other guys. One of them is from Boston. So he's like straight Boston kind of guy. Me, the Texan, and then um, a German who's been to every country in the world and is the most traveled person I've ever met, but only eats gummy bears and, and drinks Coca-Cola. And, and McDonald's. And then this Italian guy, Daniele, who has never left Italy and does not know anything about America. And so we lived together for a year um, and it was a lot of fun. And then after a year, we, we got married and, and Heather moved in to that frat, house with frat us. Frat house? Yeah. So her and four guys <laughs> living the life in, for two years in, in Boston. So, yeah. <laughs> Very tight quarters. And, and Heather loved it. I think she loved it. She That's and Jelly, they'd cook uh, homemade Italian food every night. You know, Christian would tell us stories about going all over the world. And and uh, <laughs> we'd hear crazy stories about Boston and do fun things. It was it was really fun. We, I think that was one of my favorite times in our relationship was living in Boston, Cambridge. Yeah. So we know that, you know, we've been together 23 well 24 years married 23 yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. and you know we really see relationships as this big developmental thing that you know follows kind of a pattern that people go through can you guys kind of talk about your journey and some of the ups and downs that you experienced along the way sure i guess i'll take that one josh i just keep going back to that phrase when people say marriage isn't easy um It's not, it's, I think when you, I don't know, at least for me, there's so much growing up, I don't know, as a young girl that you, from all the movies you watch and the, and the messages that you get growing up about, you know, you just have to, you're going to grow up and get married and live happily ever after wow, does that really leave out a big chunk of the experience? <laughs> and I think I I imagined it to be that way. And then when we did face up ups and downs, it was a little startling and shocking. Because, um, you know, when, when we got married before, I, when we dated, we really didn't fight much. We didn't have a lot of stressors. But having children really changed a lot for us. And even after our first, our first Olivia, and that was rough. I mean, for the first four months of her life, she would not sleep more than two hours at a time. So and then it wasn't until that point where I committed to cry it out that it she started getting into a better sleep routine. And all of our lives were more peaceful, including hers. But um, once we had our second child, um, I think, you know, one is stressful, two is more. (laughs) (laughs) And and it was. And and even though we love her and we loved the experience, it really put a lot of stress on, on me. And the whole time I was you know, building a business and dealing with the ups and downs of that as well, which is really tough. Um, And I think that's when we were kind of 
hitting our rough patch or I think the first rough patch that I can kind of recall of our relationship where, you know, we're stressed and tired and crabby and it started to wear on us. And I think that was when we noticed we were fighting more. And I think, I think I had brought up, Hey, maybe we should try couples therapy. You know, me being the therapist, like, Hey, let's, let's try this thing I've been doing for the past, however many years of my life (laughs) for other people. Maybe we need to do it for, for us. And I think that's hard for um, a therapist in a relationship to say to the non-therapist in the relationship. Um, and, and I think at first Josh was not on board. And after a while he said, Hey, let's try that. And I, I was so grateful that he did say that because I think that gave us an opportunity to just continue growing in a beautiful way in our relationship. And we've gone back and forth to couples therapy over the years. And it, I always feel like we grow from that experience. I think of it like, um, you know, pruning a tree. There's, you have to cut off some some dead parts in order for it to, flour, uh, to flourish and continue to grow in the right direction. Or, you know, that if you if you don't, it can end up actually killing the, the, the tree or the bush. So I think of that with us, we had to really look at what we were doing and we have to continue to do that over the years and, and um, even at a, on a daily basis, sometimes and just do that self check. Is this going in the direction we need it to go? And if not, what's my part in that? Um, and so now, even if we don't go back to couples therapy, if we hit a rough patch, I catch each of us kind of doing that subtle uh, self reflection. And then we do little things to bring it back on track and keep moving it forward. So that's what I've noticed. You know, I think that um, historically we would go to maybe our parents or aunts or uncles or other people when we got into that place, but everyone's relationship now is so customed, right? Our relationship looks nothing like either of our parents' relationships, right? And so I think that is such an important thing. And, you know, there was a point during our relationship where we went, we actually went separately to counseling. Um, But you do, there's so much adjustment, especially having children. And there's no time to adjust because you're instantly here they are and they need so much. Right. And then to take that step back. And we see that a lot that couples are not investing in their relationship enough and over investing in their kids and it wears out the relationship. So that's really awesome that you guys used, you know, mm-hmm. the trade. <laughs> plus, <laughs> plus the challenges are very different nowadays than in the past. I mean, you think about 50 years ago, the roles were pretty static. And now, you know, husbands and wives, men and women, you know, parents are trying to really adapt to this ever-changing world, which is changing very quickly, you know, and, and now you know, the challenges that are facing us are challenges that our parents never had to face at all. I mean, just take social media alone. <laughs> that alone, you know, causes a lot of dysfunction and, and disconnection in relationships and distraction as well. So, you know, we, we thoroughly promote uh, couples seeking that outside help. We, we always say that, 
even Olympic athletes have coaches. You know, they're the best athletes in the world, but they still need that outside perspective, you know, to get better at their craft. So 90 to 95% of the couples that we see, it's initiated by the wife. So Josh, what was that like for you when, you know, things were kind of getting tough and she's like, hey, what do you think about doing this? Yeah, well, I mean, for me, like, I mean, kind of like what you're bringing up, like, our, you know, typically you'd go to your parents. I, I grew up in a household where both my mom and my dad had been uh, divorced and remarried three to four times, depending on, you know, one, three, one, four. And so I grew up thinking, like, if I get married, I am not getting divorced. And, you know, if, you, if you're going to take that line, then the minute things aren't going right, you better figure out how to fix it. And so I, I think when Heather did come to me and said, Hey, let's, I was like, yeah, we gotta, we gotta do something. Cause you know, I don't want this to, I don't want to end this because we can't get along. We got to figure out how to make it work. And so going to therapy, even though it might be a difficult choice to make to admit that, you know, you need help. It's, uh, I think it, it, it's the right choice to make if you care about your relationship and you really want to make it work. You've got to be a big enough person to, to, to go for it versus just saying, no, I'm, I'm going to, I'm not going to do anything. It's not my fault or something like that. So, you know, if you want to grow, you want to learn, you want to become a better person, you're going to have to take steps to do that. And that's how I looked at it. That's awesome. And one thing Josh just said there, you know, if you want to grow, you're going to do it. That's something that attracted me to Josh. And that's something even as a business owner, that's my number one thing that I look for in all my staff is having having a growth mindset is what I call it. Just having that perpetual willingness to learn and grow. And I think that just professionally, that puts you in the best possible place. I think personally, that puts you in the best possible place. And I think relationally as well. If I didn't, if I didn't have that, if I didn't see that in Josh, I think it would be really hard to have the best possible relationship. And I'm the type of person that, you know, I want to have it all. I want to have, I want to have the best life I can live. And that includes having the best relationship we can possibly have the best quality. And that for me starts with both of us willing to take ownership of our stuff and grow and learn and be willing to do that. And that takes a lot of vulnerability too. And I'm, well, I'm so and, appreciative that you were willing to do that, Josh. Thank you. And, and just to go back, um, you know, our, we've been married for nine years. We've been together for 11. Um, our oldest kid is five. So we were together for a long time before we had kids. And as Heather hinted earlier, like, there, we didn't really have any problems for for years. I, I mean, very rarely would we even fight. And Heather would often brag about how good we were as a couple. But I mean, we actually probably weren't growing that much. And it was really, I mean, the kids were. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's the kids. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so they 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 brought in this new thing that we had to adapt to and that that threw everything out of line and really 
changed us from that stagnant place to having to actually work on our relationship. And everything wasn't easy at that point. So we actually had to put effort into it. And I think because we had to put effort, we grew a lot out of it. So is 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 tough as the kids made it they actually made us better and a better couple because of them being in the picture i think it's really easy when things start to get tough to sort of go into autopilot and do the droneness of your life whatever that is the work the kids the house and kind of you know dial down emotions and you see so many people that they're really at the end of their relationship. It's just completely withered away. And they're sort of looking around like, what happened? I don't, I don't even know what happened. And what you guys are talking about, about growing, it's a double-edged sword because on the other side of that is pain because that's how we know where we're supposed to grow. And you have to allow yourself to keep that pain dialed up so that you can go, hey, things are out of whack here, we have to fix it. And, you know, I always wish sometimes that I could dial that down. <laughs> and it's hard to be an aware person and a person that wants to grow. So it's very painful. Would you guys agree with that? Oh, yeah, yeah, I think you have to notice the pain, right? Like, because if you're not paying attention, it's easy to, like you were saying, just go into that drone-like, you know, and unless you're like, oh, yeah, like, <laughs> I need to do something about this. This isn't feeling good. Um, you're just going to, you know, like you said, it's not, you're not going to improve. You're not going to get better. You know, Josh, you kind of mentioned your uh, kind of parents and your upbringing. You know, Heather, what is it that you learned from your parents, your upbringing, <laughs> you know, about relationships? Good question. I always thought my parents should have gotten a divorce. And so I, I'm, which is so funny because I'm on the opposite extreme of Josh, where I always was very comfortable with people getting divorced and always thought, no, you know, it's, it's, it's okay for some people. It should happen for some people because I saw that with my parents, the constant fighting throughout my childhood that I, um, I think, I think there's definitely some, sh some shame, I think that comes up like, or at least came up for me when I realized, oh my gosh, my relationship has problems. Oh no. And that psychological uh, issue that I dilemma, I came up just individually saying, oh no, I wanted to be so different from my parents. And I thought I was, and oh no, does this, does this mean I'm like my parents? Uh, because I have issues <laughs> in my relationship. And so that was really hard for me. Um, and so I think my parents, I always mentally wanted to be so different from them. And I, and I am. Um, and there's just some things that I think what I've learned to accept is just part of any relationship, like arguments, like disagreements, like periods of time. And it's a choice on how you handle that. So I guess from my parents, the, the messages I learned was shouting doesn't work. Uh, you know, just shouting at each other. And <laughs> it doesn't? It doesn't work? What? <laughs> and, and if, uh, what is it? If you're uh, doing the same thing over 
and over and expecting different results, that's the definition of insanity. So that's where I think for me, it was okay for me to say, no, 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 I'm going to do something different than my parents did, which was not continue to just hit, you know, a wall in the relationship, but actually look for outside help to, to do something different. Um, so yeah, and then financially speaking, uh, us making different choices than I saw in my relationship with my parents, which I thought was really the foundation of their uh, dysfunction in their relationship was how they handled money with each other. So I, I learned based on what I saw, you know, what to do different. Yeah, we see that as well, that all relationships are formed from the parent-child relationship, which is our first relationship. And that's probably why we marry someone who we didn't grow up with that has the exact same dynamics. And then they'll start to pull. And so you really do have to find out how to show up as an adult in an adult-adult relationship. And it really is developmental. It is not dysfunctional. It's not pathological. It's just the normal process. And it's really interesting. We were at a wedding. Well, it's probably been a couple of years now, but they did that dance, you know, where if you've been married one year, leave the floor. If you've been married less than five, leave the floor. And when it got to 10, nobody left. And nobody left at 15. And then it was at 20. So there was no one there married between 10 and 20 years. It's like all those people got divorced. And, <laughs> you know, like they didn't make it to, to the 10 year. And then the ones that did made it to the 20. It was really interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, I think we've said this before in other podcasts, but you know, conflict in relationships is inevitable, right? And so the goal isn't to prevent conflict from happening. The goal is to learn the skills and tools necessary to learn from the conflict, right? To to grow and to level up in your relationship, and a lot of people they shy away from conflict. That you know, oh my gosh, we're fighting. There must be something wrong. Let's avoid it as much as we can. Sweep it under the rug, and now we have a lumpy carpet, you know. But that leaning into that conflict, leaning into the emotions, you know, that is the 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 point where you actually learn a lot about yourself and about your partner, and you're able to level up. Is there any specific aha moments that you guys got to that really was a pivotal change for your relationship? I've got something, Josh, if you don't want to jump in. For me, it's the note writing to one another and um, the uh, love languages. So I, I, I've i never used love languages as a couples therapist, even though I've been a couples therapist for years. Um, and I I was, I don't, for some reason that that kind of came up for me. And I think it was when Josh and I stumbled on writing notes to each other. So we we started, I think it was like a rough patch and I wanted to do something to start us. I felt like we were kind of going in this death spiral here, negative, 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 and then it just death spirals. And I, I noticed it and I wanted to do something to get out of it. And so I wrote him a note, um, something about, hey, I love you. And you're a wonderful dad and husband, and I hope you have a great day. And I left it on 
um, the buffet where um, he has to pass, you know, to and from the kitchen. And, and we were talking to our couples therapist about how much that turned things around for in our relationship. So it really pulled us out of the death spiral and kind of started this upward spiral where then he wrote me a note and I wrote him a note. And just passing by this note throughout the day, we got so much more out of that because it wasn't just the initial note, but it was continuing to see that every day, uh, like throughout the day that really helped us. And, and that's where we, we, were, we started talking about the love languages and us just um, pulling up the five love, love languages and then asking each other, hey, what do you think my love language is? That helped us take it that much further, where now I know, like for Josh, that quality time is so important to him. So even if I'm tired at night, I'll stay up a little bit later just so that we have that time for him because I know how important that is. So I feel like those two things over the last year or so have really kind of been aha moments for for me to move our relationship in the right direction. What about for you, Josh? Yeah, I think Heather kind of hit the nail on the head. Um, You know, we started doing this note thing. And like she said, like, you see the note. And even though you've already read it, you're like, it's there's still this little evidence of caring sitting there that you're seeing constantly that just reminds you like, oh, I need to also be in a better place and and try to take the higher road in in the conversations and the interactions. And then simultaneously, you know, we had a session where our therapist brought up the love languages. And at first I was like, this, this sounds stupid. I don't want (laughs) to, I don't want to do some goofy talking or something. I didn't know what it was. And I kind of dismissed it. But then once it was actually presented and I understood, I was like, oh, you know what? Yeah, this is actually going to be helpful because it's clear that we're missing each other on we've got these subtle communication techniques that the other one's not grasping. Um, And by bringing those to the forefront and saying like, Hey, like when I say certain things to you, those are things of, you know, affection or endearment, not put downs, you know? So I think, you know, we're, we're, we're passing each other because we're so angry. And so that spiraling up you in understanding each other and the reactions that we're each having and the way we're interacting with each other. There's a lot of positivity there, but we're so quick to try to notice the negative and we're missing all the positives that were there. So, you know, once we got that spiral kind of turned around started coming up, even, even when, you know, I mean, it made a huge difference and we got to a point where things, we were in a better place and, you know, the kids will come home and throw a big fit and it'll all spiral back down. But we were able, we were able to get it back up a lot quicker. And so now when, when something goes wrong, we get in a bad spot, somebody's in a bad mood, had a bad day. We're able to come back out of it a lot quicker than we were. And I think that goes back to what you were saying, Ray, about, you know, it's like you have to learn and, um, and, you know, you have to, if you're not embracing that, you're, you're not you're not learning how to have those conflicts so that you can end up in a good place and you end up in a bad place. You know, Josh, you bring up a a pretty good point. I just wanted to get your perspective on it. You know, you, 
you're talking about like, I don't want to do this goofy thing, right? <laughs> and you know, I, I think it's pretty common. A lot of the guys that I work with, you know, they they kind of are approaching things from that perspective too. You know, 90, 80 to 90% of the couples that are coming to see, see us, it's the woman that has initiated, you know, seeking help. And so the guys are kind of coming in with a raised eyebrow, like, you know, what is this going to be all about here? Right. And they have their stereotypes in their head and that sort of thing. So I was wondering what you would say to maybe a guy in that same position, you know, like he doesn't want his relationship to fall apart, but at the same time, he doesn't want to do this goofy thing, this, this therapy thing. Right. So what would you say to him? Yeah, I think it's pretty simple. I, I, I mean, for a skeptic, I'd say, Hey, you're going to get some, they're going to justify your opinion. <laughs> you're going to come out ahead on a couple of these things and you're going to be like, yeah, see, I told you. And that'll get you in the door. Right? And once you get there, like, it's not like, Hey, let's all pull out a box of tissues and sit in a circle and cry. You know, it's like, you're addressing your real, you know, the thing that's bothering you, you know, it's like something's eating away at you and it's making you angry and you're taking it out on your partner, but they have no idea. So it's like, if you could just put it out on the table you know, we can all say, hey, this is upsetting me. And your partner goes, oh, crap, I had no idea that was the thing, you know. And and now you can talk about it and say why it upsets you or, or, or not say why it upsets you and get to the point where, you know, y'all are on the same page. It's not. And, and I think from a guy's perspective, like, I mean, especially with the, I was like, I don't want to sit around and do some goofy, you know, crying circle thing. It just doesn't seem from a guy's <laughs> perspective. It's not what I, you know. But, but when you realize, and I think men are like, uh, and maybe it's a stereotype, but it's like, let's solve the problem. I mean, that's what therapy does. You want to solve a problem, go to therapy. That's going to solve your problem. So, You know, there's this concept that the way our brains are designed, we are uh, designed to seek out negativity so much faster than positiveness because you have to respond to a threat much quicker than, you know, a pretty flower. And when it comes to emotions, it's the same concept as a physical threat emotionally. And we get stuck in our heads in that negative, you know, seeing all the problems and all the negativity and feeling like everything is dark, everything is that way. And to have that little note, which, you know, is a little hit of not only dopamine, but also, you know, the oxytocin that is the bonding thing because it's from your bonded partner and that you, you're absolutely right that that is going to start a new trajectory because it, even what it does in your brain, where it just lightens your brain up a little when it's so heavy with that ne negativity. So that's really awesome that you guys found that. It's a really common thing that we see. And, you know, just for all you Texans out there, this is uh, it was coming from a Texan, too. We have we have a big we have a big following in Texas right now. So it's true. <laughs> so you know, I, I don't know if you can comment, Josh, about um, did you guys see a, a female therapist for no, to doing the couples? Yeah. Was that was that ever an issue for you? Kind of, you know, right off the bat walking into the room, you're outnumbered gender wise. So I, I don't know if that was ever uh, an issue for you or a feeling that you might have had about that. You know, I actually, 
I think in the beginning I was nervous that if we had a female therapist, I would have been outnumbered. And the fact that he was male made me feel like I was going into it not... I think there's this thought that if you go into couples therapy, especially with the opposite sex being the, the, the therapist, that you're going to be targeted as the problem um, based on gender roles. Um, and uh, my experience was, and I, I think Heather would have to answer this more since she was the, the odd man out in this, um, this triangle, um, but I felt like a, a good therapist isn't going to, they're, they're going to give each person equal time and, and their goal isn't to blame anybody. And so once you realize there's no blaming going on, then you don't really feel singled out or targeted. And initially, hon, I don't know if you remember, but we actually saw a female therapist first. And uh, there's a couple times and then we felt like we were on a good path and then didn't go back for such a long time. She was no longer with the practice and then we were put with a male therapist. Was that an issue for you at all or was there anything that you wanted to comment on the gender of the therapist? I, I did feel like the male therapist uh, got Josh a little bit more than the female therapist. Um. They had different styles, but I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah. Um, I did feel that difference and notice that difference. And I feel like Josh got a lot out of that experience and actually wound up doing some individual work with him as well because of that connection. And I think he benefited. I don't know, Josh, you can speak for yourself on that, but that was just kind of what I noticed. And I didn't feel... I, I guess I, I did feel called out a little bit more with the male therapist than with the female. It could have just been their style difference too. Um, but I think I grew from both the experiences, but I did feel like perhaps Josh grew more out of having a male therapist, but I'm not quite sure. What do you think, Josh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He doesn't Whatever remember the female therapist. <laughs> we, we, have, we, we have made significant progress, yeah. so it worked. You know, that's one of the reasons we created Couple Synergy Program and work as a couple with couples because of that bias. And I think you're absolutely right. If, if the therapist is really skilled and able to n not become biased, which is a really human trait, right, then, you know, I think there can be some good therapy but if you're in a therapeutic environment and you do feel like your therapist has sided with either one of you, that's death to a relationship and actually can cause more harm than good. So that's awesome that you guys had that experience. Yeah, I think I think it's very important, you know, that, you know, Heather, you kind of pointed that out just so that people out there are aware of it, you know, because they might be feeling something, but they don't know what that is. They might attribute it to themselves. And they're not taking into consideration that maybe it's just not a good fit, you know, with a therapist. So trust yourself, really, really, you know, kind of delve deep. And, you know, it should feel like there's a good connection, right? And that both of you guys as a couple should feel that connection equally. So where are you guys at now? I mean, you, you guys work together. You guys are raising kids together, you know, <laughs> and... <laughs> 
You know, how do you guys navigate things now in your relationship, you know, between business and, and pleasure? Um, I think it's pretty difficult. Um, <laughs> I think it's, it's probably the, the number the it's probably the biggest issue we face right now. Um, Heather and I are both very entrepreneurial in, in nature. And so we're always trying to grow trying to get in it and and the thing about when you're the when you're an entrepreneur and you're growing a business is whatever the problem is that's the thing you have to deal with you always get the shitty part um and so we don't always see eye to eye on how to see those solve those problems um so a lot of times those are right now where i feel like we'll end up in a in a spiral and we'll have to, you know, pull back and say, you know, you, you, you've got this, you can handle it. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I have my opinion, but you know, your opinion is valid. And, and if you do it, that, you know, the company's not going to fail. We're not going to end. We're not going to be out on the street. Like it's one decision out of thousands that got to be made. And so make it and, and not hold it against each other. Um, and, and I think that business part, you know, you, it exhausts you and then you come home and then you got the kids. And so trying to, you know, maintain an energy level to keep, you know, to interact with them and feel like you're being a good parent after all that other stuff is tough. And I think that we've slowly kind of slid into our own roles where we feel like we handle things better, you know, and work or end or personal uh, with family. And so, you know, Heather's more of an early person. She'll get up with the kids and kind of take care of a lot of those morning things that I don't want to do. But then, you know, on the other end of the spectrum at night, I'm the one who kind of handles a lot of the night things or making dinner and things like that. And so we kind of just fell into the things, roles that feel natural, we feel comfortable with. And, and um, you know, it gets mixed up from time to time based on different things. But I think we feel good about it. We feel like we've and especially with this uh, COVID stuff going around, we we finally got back into a groove. We feel like things are kind of calm and, and we, we can handle all of our situations right now, but that doesn't mean tomorrow a new situation is going to pop up and throw everything into chaos again. So, Yeah, I think when we were in that stage of the game, what we did is we each took one day off a week to focus on being with our son or taking care of the house, self-care, and then, you know, we were both in the office because we obviously work together. We have to be there at the same time. But we did do that one day where one of us was home, which was really, you know, just a little breathing room. And I think that's the hardest part. There's not enough time for the self-care and there's not enough time for nurturing the relationship because obviously the business and the kids are going to come first because that, you know, is important. But those are some tough times. I, I agree with you. And I think there's a guilt when you're an entrepreneur with kids that you feel like giving yourself care is you're taking that away from some other part of your responsibilities. And so it's hard to, to actually give yourself that. Yeah. Yep. We know how that goes. <laughs> yeah. You, you uh, feel the same way, Heather? Yeah, I do. And, and one of the things we've implemented, and this can't kind of came up in couples therapy where, you know, Josh was put, like you said, putting it on the table and saying, Hey, 
I think you redline all the time. You're going to drive yourself into the ground and you're not going to be around long term for us to have this great relationship. And I agree. And uh, one of the compromises we came up with was Friday afternoons that I take off, he takes off, and we spend together when the kids are in daycare. That's awesome. And that's our time to try to connect, especially with COVID when babysitters disappeared. And, you know, then the weekend, you're just with the kids all the time and there's no time for, and that was really hard for me because of letting go of the business time. For me as the entrepreneur being in charge, I want to be the hardest worker in the room, but that's not sustainable to everything else in my life. So I had to, and not necessarily a good role model. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had to learn how to adapt yeah. to taking off a mm-hmm. little bit. Yeah, it's just... And that's worked well, I think. And I think it probably made your bottom line higher. Like you're making more money when you have more balance than if you're redlining all the time. Yeah, well, it's very true. Your your entire your entire staff, everybody knows this. Is, you yeah. know, and so everybody's more stressed. Everybody's more on edge. Yeah. And so you've got to, you know, you're the person who's kind of got to pull it back in. You got to settle down. And then you notice everybody else starting to calm down and everything gets more relaxed and just makes every, everything easier. But, you know, it's hard to do because there are real challenges that have to be solved and, and they're not easy and they can really stress you out. So last question, what is it that your partner does that you know they love you? All of the things Josh said about me today, that was um, for sure, sure that was beautiful to hear. This was a very good experience, particularly because we had the opportunity to hear the other person's love and care. And I think that's why I love couples therapy so much. I mean, Josh, his action, his willingness to go to couples therapy all of the things that he shares with me in couples therapy, to me, it shows that he he loves me and he wants to be in the relationship. And all of those little things that he does, like writing the notes, are going the extra mile. That really is that um, proof, you know, that, that he does care and he loves me. Um, so I don't know. Kind of all the little things, too, in between on a daily basis, like him just making dinner or saying, calling me and saying, hey, I'll get the kids today. You know, all those little things are him contributing to us and our family and moving things in the right direction. And his his uh, willingness to talk to me and sit down and work through difficult things on a, on a daily basis. So. Josh? Um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's the trust is probably one of the things that jumps out to me the most is, you know, just the fact that I, I can tell that Heather trusts me. And so whether it's something small or big, you know, the fact that she has the faith that I'm there and I've got her back in so many different ways and that I can feel that trust um, that, that, that's important. I think that, um, we've got so many things going on all the time 
if you know if you you if you weren't if you didn't trust your partner you'd just be in a position you you couldn't you couldn't do this we couldn't do this together and you know she does so many things too that i trust and i i i don't have to i don't even have to have a second thought about because i know she's there she's my partner and we're in this together and i think that's where um i mean i think the question was how does you know she loves or, you know how do you know your partner loves you i think that the loves comes out of the relationship that we've been building and there's so like she said there's so many little things you could point to but at the end of the day it's like we we trust each other we've got each other and you know we're here for each other you know human beings have been sharing stories since the beginning of time to grow and heal and bond and we hope that by you guys sharing your story it's enriched your lives and the lives of our listeners Heather and Josh, we want to really thank you so much for joining us today and on Couple Synergy. Our passion is in helping couples and people have happy and healthy relationships. And this podcast gives us a fun way of bringing our knowledge and expertise to you, our listeners. For all of you listening, please subscribe to our podcast and please leave us a review. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couple Synergy and our programs such as the Couples Weekend Intensive and our premier program called Couple to Couple, look us up online at couplesynergy.com. And if you know someone who could benefit from this episode, please download it and share it. And thank you for listening. Until next time, synergize your life and synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez.